On this special episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, our old pal Melissa is back to listen and discuss your letters to a toxic narcissist. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, we will have my old pal, Melissa. It's been a long time since she's been on our show, and we will be doing our final letters to my narcissist episode. This is volume six, and Melissa did not know that this was going to be our final time doing it. I kind of sprung it on her while we were doing the intro. So for everyone out there who might be upset about that, we just didn't get a lot of letters eventually sent in anymore. So we decided, or I decided, to pull the plug on it, and this is our last one. So a big thank you to everyone who participated uh, in the series from the beginning. So a big thank you there. And if you want to be part of our Survivor Story podcast and want to be a guest on our show, Please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Format. Click that button, and away we will go from there. Also, on our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com, we have a community support button at the top of the page, and it is for our safe social network. Our community members are on there posting in our forums. We have integrated Zoom support meetings. We have prompt books for our episodes to help you dig deeper and get more clarity into your relationships and life. We have episodes that never made it to air. We have ad-free episodes on there as well. And we have, uh, you can create your own events such as meditations, closure ceremonies, and more. Our community members are all amazing and we are here to support you when needed and to cheer you on when needed, give you the shoulder when you need it. So you may come looking for support, but I guarantee you'll make tons of new friends in the process. So please join our community today at NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, community support button. Speaking of support, if you or someone you know are experiencing abuse, you are not alone. DomesticShelters.org offers an extensive library of articles and resources that can help you make sense of what you're experiencing. You can also connect with local resources like shelters and find ways to heal and move forward. So please do visit DomesticShelters.org to access this free resource. And what else do we have here? Well, just another reminder that we're doing our... Domestic Violence Awareness Month run for DV on October 30th at 8 p.m. Everyone can do it individually. That's how we're all doing it in this day and age. So you can raise money for a shelter. You can raise money for an agency. You can raise money for uh, an individual that you know that needs to escape to save money to get out where they need to get out from. Uh, or you can just do it to raise awareness. And on your social media, just put hashtag run for DV. And let everyone know about domestic violence issues wherever they are. So thank you for participating or or attempting to participate. I'll be putting my videos up on TikTok uh, here or there as far as how my training is going. And I will see you there on October 30th, 8 p.m. Eastern.
probably on TikTok at the time or something like that. Uh, or some, yeah, I think I can do a live there. Yeah. So now I'm mincing my words. I'll be on TikTok then. And what else do we have here? Um, I think that is it for today. So I hope you enjoy our last Letters to My Narcissist episode, volume six. And here you go. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today on our special last episode of Letters to My Narcissist, Volume 6, is my old pal, Melissa. How are you? I'm good. So, for those of you have, who have no idea who you are, because you have not been on here since January 2021, which is, yes, 2021. I'm, I'm, I, who knows what the days are anymore? I've, I've lost all track of time in, in, in the COVID era of our lives. Yes. So for those that don't know, you were episode one, technically episode three, but episode one when we kind of went back and kind of rejigged everything. Episode one, Survivor Story. Episode one, there you go. Episode one, Survivor Stories. Yes. When, uh, all the way back then, and you were the first champion of this show. And it all, it really all started with you. And everything after that interview with you really just started one by one. People started listening to the show. And really, if it wasn't for you that day, and the happenstance of the circumstances, me going over to your uh, boyfriend's parents' home with my equipment on, <laughs> on that day. That's so funny. Um, this probably never would have happened. So, yeah. You so, know. Sorry. Yeah. Go for it. No, I just, I think that's really funny we were both like oh what should we talk about on like the opening of this episode and I think this is like the perfect place to start because it really was about our relationship at the time which was very like mutually kind of helping one another and you were just like oh well, like I'm just gonna interview you about like what happened and I was like okay but it was like a really vulnerable conversation. And then I think each episode after that just built on the idea. Yeah. What started off at the beginning of that as, you know, trying to create a podcast for a book I was editing and we were kind of goofing around. I'm like, just go with whatever I'm doing. And then turned into a real conversation. Yeah. And for those that don't know, we, we have our uh, history of, uh, I guess, uh, addiction. And we were each other's, what's the best way to put it, uh, sponsors in a way, yeah. or, or we yeah. held each other accountable. So we knew the worst parts. <laughs> we've, seen, yes. we've seen the worst of each other. Exactly. Uh, you know, so it's interesting that we did this episode uh, a, a Letters to My Narcissist, Volume 1, in June of 2019. And I remember when we finished it, I'm like, oh, these things are going to catch on and we're going to 
be doing these episodes all the time. It's going to be its own show eventually. I think that's how gung-ho I was, that these were um, a little bit more lighthearted than the other ones and our Survivor Story shows. And, you know, then it took a little bit of time to get a volume two out. And then, uh, you know, volume three took a little bit longer. And then volume four took a little bit longer. And, you know, people just didn't send in, uh, you know, voice letters like we uh, thought it was going to happen, or at least I thought it was going to happen. So it's been the reason why people haven't heard from you since January is because we really haven't received any uh, letters through our voice recorder. So we just, or I just decided to kind of shut that down and, you know, focus on doing the, the Q and A's. So this is going to be, unless people ask for it to come back and want to participate, this will be our last letters to my narcissist, uh, episode. So how do you, how are you feeling about that? Well, it's funny because I didn't know that until you just said that. Um, but... it, was, it was an executive decision. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, you said it. You said it at like the opening, and I was like, oh, "Okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense." Because obviously, like the letters have. Um, sorry, the survivor stories have taken place of the letters, so that just means that people are being interviewed about their story rather than just having their story kind of read aloud and like anecdotally. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in, instead it's just that they're being interviewed, which is way better because then you get like the full story. So it's kind of magical because it's like, well, we started with this because it was, it was such a small thing, but now it's so much bigger that instead of, you know, submitting stories on like little blurbs. They're just like, Oh, I just want, I want the interview, which is great. Right. It it is great. And like, but one, one thing though, one thing is missing you. Well, yeah. And for, for, you know, so what have you been doing in this time that no one has heard from you? Where have you been every day? I wake up and I say to myself, where's Melissa? Oh, I know. And I think about, I think about you and the community you've built, which is pretty incredible. I think about it all the time and I, I want to be more involved. Um, I'm just kind of the load that I'm carrying currently is, uh, is, is like enough for me, which I hope doesn't sound selfish or anything. It's just, um, yeah, I'm just kind of trying to deal with what's right in front of me, and a lot of it is really good, but it's, uh, you know, I'm on the other side of my kind of traumatic relationship, and it, that's a really good thing, and yeah, I I quit my toxic job. Um, I'm back working with children, which is in and of itself a very emotionally taxing place to be, but it's rewarding. So that's where I'm at right now. So you were working a toxic job. Would you want to go on the Toxic Workplace podcast hosted by Carly Mayshock? It's a wonderful new podcast that everyone should listen to, and you should be a guest. Yeah, I listened to, I don't know if it was her first episode, but it was really, really well done. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to be able to talk about it in past tense. So how was that transition? It was perfect. Like hey, I just, thank you. yeah. Oh, no, I was talking oh. about my transition from our, oh. what, what we were doing before to my, to my transition into um, talking about the show. Known. That's how long it's been that I didn't pick you, up on that, that little... That you couldn't pick up on my trolling? No, I, I, it was it was too uh, too quick for me. Uh, you know, I've built, some, I've built some skills since you've been gone. Yeah, you have. Since you've been gone... I can breathe for the first time. That's really terrible singing compared to the original. <laughs> so, so I always break into that song when uh, in in these. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I have no idea what I'm about to say. Just, just stop now before you get too deep. Uh, yes. So today, I guess you know. Well, thank you for the update on on your life. And I know that you've been going through a lot with a work, and I'm just happy that you are out of it and that you are uh, a little bit more stable and mm-hmm. that uh, you might have a big move coming too. Mm-hmm. You know, we might be back in the same city. Yes, that's really exciting. And so far, as it stands right at this moment, that's still happening um, because of this wonderful sublet that we've been offered. So that's back on the table. And yeah, we're just really hoping that everything falls into place. So... All right. So, you know, today we are going to do our last letters. And the first one we're going to start with is actually been used recently on our show. I'm actually taking a clip from the Aurora episode because I uh, loved her letter that she read to her partner. And it was a basic, her basic human rights. So... Uh, we're going to listen to that because I know everyone loved that little letter that she wrote. So we're going to do that right now because it's something I think everyone should listen to again. So let's cue that up. And that would be the Aurora clip. I will share with you a list of basic human rights, all of which are impossible while in a marriage with you. I have the right to say no. I have the right not to be abused. I have the right to express anger. I have the right to change my life. I have the right to freedom from fear of abuse. I have the right to want a better role model for my children. I have the right to raise my children in safety. I have the right to be treated like an adult and with respect. I have the right to leave the abusive environment. I have the right to be safe. I have the right to privacy. I have the right to develop my individual talents and abilities. I have the right to earn and control my own finances. I have the right to make my own decisions about my own life. I have the right to change my mind. I have the right to be believed and valued. I have the right to make mistakes. I have the right not to be perfect. I have the right to love and be loved in return. I have the right to put myself first. I have the right to be me. In order to provide myself with these basic human rights, I'm walking away from our marriage and filing for divorce. 
You often like to share with me that you did not feel loved by me. I acknowledge that I likely never did and never would fulfill your grandiose expectations, but know that I did nothing but love you and love you well. Now knowing what I know, I'm extremely empathetic and capable of some of the deepest forms of unconditional love, not cold and heartless as you had me believe. It is time to extend my love and empathy to myself and save myself from this abuse. When the denial and blame that I know are coming arrive, or even the more sinister manipulative apology, know that you have the power to prove me wrong. Prove me wrong and let me go. Prove me wrong and don't engage in legal abuse dragging out the divorce. Prove me wrong and co-parent well. Prove me wrong and actually respect my boundaries. Prove me wrong and continue your journey in therapy for our kids' sake. I'm not leaving because of a lack of effort or growth from you now. I am leaving because of the 13 years of abuse. Whoa, that was awesome. Had you not listened to that episode before? Oh, no. I listened to Aurora for sure. So I love this letter. Well, you know, because here's someone that has given this person every single chance. Mm-hmm. And they state everything. They state, yeah. it, state it with clarity and they're done. And now within that letter, they state what they want from them or what they, not what they want, what they hope from them. Yes. But it's not like they're going to be around in the sense of it affecting uh, their life anymore, if that makes sense. Yeah, like they're not going to wait around for it, but it's like almost like I hope this for you and our child you know, like, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to like sit and wait for it. And it's done in a way where it's not tearing the other person down. Definitely at the not. Same no. Time. So that, so when this letter was read to them that they, cause we all know with people like this, that immediately when something negative might be said, they go onto the defensive for sure. And yeah. When it's not like I language, when it's like you did this, you did that. Like she's very, very like diplomatic and just factual. Mm-hmm. It's like this is how it is. It's not like judgmental to either side. It's just very like to the point, you know? Mm-hmm. So once again to Aurora, thank you for being on the show and uh, sharing this because th- you know people love this letter they love your whole like your whole entire story and, and you but this in particular was something that was uh, stuck with everyone and that people listen to over and over so now after that we'll go to a uh, written letter do you want to let's start off short you want to start off short? Okay, sure. So start off with uh, the one at the top. Okay. So it's just that little blurb? Yep. Okay. This is called Fractured Face. You walk among humans as if you were one. You say the right things and you think you are done. You have a face with eyes that pierce. You liken yourself as something fierce. I see behind your fractured face. You cannot keep up with my pace. 
The mirror shows what cannot hide. You, my friend, are scared inside. I really like that. It's all about the mask. Yeah, and the narcissistic injury that runs their whole entire life. For sure. So thank you to the person who sent that in. And next we'll go back to another audio. And unlike the other days, I'm not as organized as <laughs> as it was because I've had a I've had a day. It's hard to organize this one a little bit because we're trying to do it kind of two different sides, right? Well, not just that. It's just that I've also been editing since 9.30 a.m. I'm not done, and it's 7 p.m. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, you have no idea. Give the people what they want. So where are we looking here? Let's try um, the one that says... Uh, I guess six twenty-seven, two thousand twenty-one. The oldest one on on that list. Okay. Or the newest one Got on the list. Okay, let's both play it at the same time. Okay, one, two, three. The entire time you've known me, you've taken advantage of me. You were thirty-eight, and I was a teenager. You took advantage of my naive nature, of my lack of life experience, my kindness, and my desire for somebody to love me. You gladly assumed that role. Three days in, you told me you loved me. You wanted to marry me. And I was so deeply depressed, and you made life feel like it was worth it. Like maybe I was worthy of love, but you didn't let that last long, did you? The red flags were there from the beginning. Constant phone calls, begging for sexy pics, berate me for saying no. You told me about your crazy exes, even showed me audio recordings. And then after all, you moved in with me. The first two years were a blur, but we always fought. I went on meds for my quote-unquote anger issues. I got pregnant two years in. You told me that I'd make a shit mom and that I should just get an abortion because I took too long ordering food. And then we had our amazing child. Things changed. You didn't throw books around or throw pop, milk, whatever on my face. You didn't punch walls or ruin my things. For a long time, it was good. You had your moments, but it was fine. Or was it fine? I can't remember where it went wrong again. I guess quarantine got to you. You became cold, and the only time you were kind was when you wanted sex. Sex. It's always about sex. If I didn't give you it whenever you wanted, I don't love you or think you're attractive. What the fuck ever you were thinking at that fucking moment. If I ever enjoyed sex, I don't know if I ever enjoyed sex because it became a chore. It was never enough. Ever. And now, your plans to move out. You're making it as hard as possible, but I don't need you. We haven't been together for over a month now, and you're still bound and determined to make my life as miserable as you can. You blame me for tearing our family apart, but I'm not the one spraying water, water in my face, putting your hands on my neck, breaking my shit, taking my car, 
manipulating me, trying to make me go literally insane. You threatened to take our daughter from me, saying I'm the one fucking her up, in your words. You're fucking with the wrong mama bear. You will reap what you sow, you cowardly piece of shit. You can talk all the shit you want. At the end of the day, you're a sad, pathetic, unoriginal, disgusting, perverted old man. One that can only get young girls to buy his bullshit. Nothing sadder than a 50-year-old douchebag. Our daughter will grow up to see the truth in your actions. That you love nobody but yourself. And that's just fucking sad. Love the energy of that one. It's just sad, as she said at the end. It is, and I, you know, she sounds quite resigned, but empowered at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's a a heartbreaking uh, story, heartbreaking letter, but, you know, she, she's at the finale of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And hopefully whoever sent that in, hopefully you're, hopefully you're doing well. Mm-hmm. And we're sending you big hugs and, and you know thank Absolutely. you for sharing your letter with us today. Yeah. And next we will go to a written letter. And I'll read this one. We might okay. do a couple more ri- written letters in a row here cuz just to spread things out, but Here we go. Dear parents, It has been about 20 years since I went no contact. I'm not writing to introduce you to the person I am today. You don't deserve to know. I'm writing to tell you what these years of self-healing have taught me. Neither of you won the birth lottery when it came to your parents. Your marriage was based in a shared sense of misery. You had children because it was expected of you. You stayed married because you didn't have the courage to admit that you were two deeply unhappy people. And for these reasons, I feel sadness for both. However, none of this justified designating me, your first child, as the family scapegoat. It wasn't until you were out of my life that I realized that you were never going to be the parents I needed. Once I mourned that loss, I learned to forget about you. Forgiveness is a complicated word and I've yet to find a definition that feels right to me. What I can tell you is, outside of the time I spent writing this letter, I never think of you. Goodbye. Oh, I love that ending. And again, this is, I probably say this a lot, this is just sad, but this person has done a lot of work, and, you know, obviously they've been no contact for 20 years, and have done a lot of work analyzing everything and, and where their parents came from. And forgiveness is a, is a big word, as, as they stated there at the end. And, and what is forgiveness for one person might be different for someone else. And it's, it's you know, you can say, in a way, no one is to blame in certain situations like this, especially when... Everyone is, maybe her parents are all running off of reactive generational trauma and they don't really understand. But then there is also the, you know, the responsibility of everyone to um, take uh, and be responsible for their, for their own shit. And yeah, I I think, yeah. And it just, uh, it's a, when you're, so when it comes to forgiveness, it's a, it's, it's a, it's always a conundrum for everyone because, 
your what is forgiveness when some people tell you, hey, they were just this way because of the generational trauma and, and, and when do you take responsibility for yourself and where is that line? And obviously with the people who've been abused and, and, and or, you know, there is a line, you know, there's yeah. no, there's no excuse and there, you know, right. generational trauma is no excuse. It always has to stop somewhere. And it's, um, it's sad. And, and everyone who's listening, this is from most of us. And this is, has been our lives. So I'm yeah. sending big hugs to this person and everyone else. And do you want to chime in? No, I, I just completely agree with you. I think you're definitely an expert on the topic and I, I think you said it perfectly. Well, thank you. I don't know if I'm an expert. I'm just a guy behind a microphone. I definitely think you've got quite the cred at this point. I mean, considering how many stories you've witnessed, you know. Well, a- I guess I weird um, – well, I won't go into it. The word expert, I'm not a big fan of the word expert. Fair enough. It's kind of perfectionistic. Um, I don't know. It's a much longer conversation. That's okay. For, that's for another day. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Oh, I got triggered. And <laughs> Sorry, bud. Oh, you're going to call me bud. Hey there, buddy. Hey there, bud. So uh, do you want to read? We have another poem on this list. Do you want to read that poem? It's sure. a lo- It's a long poem. Okay, let it me might just be pull really, it up. It's like really long. The like, long ones aren't easy to read. Okay. Um, this actually might be long and might actually rhyme. Okay. Is it the one that That says poem. Okay. I know you love my poems. The next girl will too. I wrote you one more from a completely different view. With these words racing in my mind, I have never been so inspired to write these lines. Just wait. It's elegantly divine. Your tree of lies has caught up to you. Branches and limbs so heavy the trunk is about to uproot. I am intrigued to see your next move. Codependent on you is what you did, burning all my bridges to family and friends, destroying the life I once lived. I look at this beautiful girl we we created and this boy's life I stepped into. They are perfect without a doubt. Tell me what happened to you. Your mask is good. You have everyone fooled, lowering it a few times, coming unglued. The more I peel back, the more I see the real you. Your hold on me was so tight. Knuckles bulged white. Your grip has collapsed. I fear you will use the children to reattach. You gaslit me for so long. I was always the problem. Everything I did was wrong. You practice every tactic that a narcissist knows to use. Barnes and Nobles must have had a sale on domestic abuse. I am not much of a drinker. I can go a month in between. An edible is a yearly thing. I would pop pills for a good stretch of time just to get your filth off my mind. Coming from your alternate universe, a place so dark and skewed, a reality only you could truly view. Crashing back to earth with no parachute, I am ready to start new. I know you are very troubled with pain deep inside. I keep this in mind as I write line after line. You must be very tired trying to hide these lines, these lies. No wonder why you had so many sleepless nights. Fuck that. You know what you're doing. Troubled or not, I give you 
too much wiggle room, addicted to you like a drug, push and pull like the polarity of magnets. I was your puppet in this sick game of shenanigans. You claimed you never really knew me. We know that is a lie. You studied and analyzed, finding all the weak points to pry. I am trying to find some humor while writing this, but the words racing in my head are not poetic, more like a Bill Burr special on Netflix. Present to the eye, the physical damage you did, with a BMI less than a third world country starving kid, I was losing hair by the handful, with headaches every day that would drive anyone up the wall. Sarah McLaughlin would cast me as a star. You moved on fast. Your next victim at first chance. That's okay. I am waiting for something that will last. I don't need any more scams. Husband, asshole, caring, and kind were all personalities I tried. Still, I was only 97% of this so-called perfect guy. Perfect guy? No one is perfect, but someone that is willing to try should be good enough to deserve no lies. You're drowning. Lies will only get you so far. Damage control is a sinking boat with no life preserver. Houdini himself would feel the pressure. Crazy. I thought I was going crazy. Your toxic projections destroyed my self-esteem, leaving me in despair, questioning everything. Gaslighting. That's not even the start with that. Years of this shit with only partial facts. A story so plausible I was questioning all of my acts. I had the greatest attentions. I am not perfect and neither are you, but only one of us is true. You stowed me from the beginning. Let's not forget this. You knew what you were doing. You will say anything right now. I have seen the text. This twisted shit you come up with has me so sick. I said I loved you many times. Yes, this was true. Now that you have mistaken my kindness for weakness, tell me what's your next move. You deserve this look in my eyes. You cannot honestly think I still believe your lies. I take your words and throw them away. I no longer believe your way. Moving forward, back straight, eyes ahead on a single path that does not deviate. Your hold is gone, so please go fuck yourself and move along. Don't worry, I forgive you. Just do not get in my way. And if you do, feel free to disappear. There is nothing left for you here. Therapy, you said, is what I needed. I didn't realize I was bleeding. I felt all this pain, unstuffing what was buried deep in my brain, realizing you are to blame. What I fear to date is that the kids will resent me for what I could not do on those days. While they helplessly hide behind me with your every blame, Embedded in their brains, wondering why mommy is this way. These are just some of the thoughts haunting me right now. Hopefully you didn't fuck me up too bad for the next girl somewhere here in town. My dreams and concerns were never heard. You buried them deep as you proceeded with yours. It was effortless, effortless as everyone else did the work. Making us believe a dream you deserved. Never letting me emerge. I am back to excavate what you threw away. A life worth living without you in the way. I hope you enjoyed the last poem I wrote you. It is not the romantic sweet ones you once knew. Something more fitting from a completely different view. Great poem. Great poem. Not just a great poem. 
I'm going to give you uh, an applause. That was really long. You had never read that before, and you hit all of the beats. Oh, well, I, I felt like I didn't because there was a lot of, like, great, like, exclamation part points, and I I hope to the sender that, that that I didn't butcher that because that was very vulnerable and from the heart, and I felt very privileged to be able to read it. So, well, you did a great job. I would oh, have thanks. I would have butchered that. You you really did a great job. So, thank you um, for the person who sent that in. That's uh, I'm going to put that on the website. In yeah, a poem, big time. Uh, yeah, I'll put it in a poem section. Um, and I guess now we will go back. To an audio letter. Okay. I have a feeling this might be the rapper. Okay. Remember her? Yes, I do. All right. Let's see if it's her. Okay. Chad, it was a year ago. I sent you a letter with the different flow about a narcissist wears a white cloak. But damn, I'm amazed at my own growth. My silver lining is on overload, and my whole rising about to explode. I was just a whore in his eye, eye for an eye. I guess they call that Hammurabi's code. I was blinded by his lying. He was blinded by my lining. Now everything I do just turns to gold. Let's assume they played my lyrics on the radio, and the DJ wants to give me my own show. Then I tick-tock myself the fame, $60 every post. Yep, the internet, I guess the month that you just fucking broke That's because those hearts and lights piled up, I got the most OMG, I'm so full of myself, I'm about to blow Can't be no more authentic while this psychopath is GMO I got people everywhere calling me the ghost That's the greatest of all time, in case y'all didn't know Been trying to buy me drinks before I get through the door In my spare time, I started running 5Ks And currently, one each and every race I can keep a steady seven-minute mile pace. And did I mention that I'm middle-aged, but far from the middle, because I take top place. You should see the smile from ear to ear on my face, because of him, every tooth in my head is so straight, so generic, perfect, about to modify Colgate. Camera flashes go off, I don't say cheese, I say thanks. I say thanks. Yep, I say thanks. I love drop jaws in a stare, completely blank. Now he's got nothing to say. Speechless, close your mouth for goodness sakes. No pumping the brakes. I was profiled in the paper with my face on the front page. There was no room for the print. It took up the entire space for doing what I do best. What I do is so great. My worst will always be better than his best because I ain't fucking fake. I carry up myself onto a local stage to do what? Raise money in the Kinlan first place. I swip all the awards. I call it Sweet Stay. Yes, I can have it too and eat all my cake. Calories don't stick to me. I'm on fire. I incinerate. I remember when I had to pay the full rates. Now I got people paying me to say their names. My video shoot is next week promo. And I don't even need to take off my clothes. They want my voice in the audio while I'm sporting their newest wardrobe. He may shake with his right and throw rocks with his left. But I got numb church with this dumb fuck. I connect, get big blows. He 
needs a helmet with a chin strap to help his jawbone stay close. For you ladies listening, so many who went down this road, please know you are not alone. If you found this, then there's hope. The PTSD is bad, but there's always tomorrow before the silver lining is shining. Sign sincerely with X's and O's. And P.S. Chad, I can't wait for the next great episode. Uh, that was her best flow. Yeah. Great she, beat. She, That's a Kendrick Lamar beat. She's she's gotten uh better with with the flow. Uh Definitely. So, so uh, once again, you've been the person who sent this in. You've been uh our I guess our number one uh letter writer and rapper uh for the show. So from the bottom of both of our hearts, thank you so much for participating in our letters shows and for your raps and uh I love them. So thank you so much for for doing them. And yeah. maybe we'll uh, also put those ones on uh, on the website as well. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I like that. And let me go look here at our letters. Here we go. Dear Narcissist, I was so young, only 20 years old, when you stormed into my life. I was the perfect victim for you. I had so many demons chasing me and an abusive childhood, a rape from when I was 17, and so much self-hate. You lifted me up, made me feel like I was a beautiful person, like you were my reward for all the bad things I had suffered through. But it was all heartbreaking illusion. Soon you showed me your true colors, colors that I unfortunately wasn't able to see. I had no idea that it was abuse when you called me a whore, a slut, an idiot, pathetic, and said that I should be thankful that you wanted to be with a useless person like me. I thought that I was in the wrong when you ignored me for days or went to sleep while I was having panic attacks right beside you in bed. I didn't understand that when you got angry and pushed me, hit me, held my arms too tight and didn't allow me to sleep that you were physically abusing me. I had no idea how evil you were when you used the rape against me, telling me that a girl can't be raped that I was hallucinating due to my medications and that I was bad in bed and so boring to have sex with. I believed all of your hurtful words and I made a lot of excuses for you. You'd been drinking too much. I wasn't easy to live with due to my depression and anxiety. It wasn't your fault that I had been raped, so why should you suffer? I never noticed when it all got even worse because you were so good at blaming me for everything. When we were done after six years together, my body and my mind shut down. I couldn't handle the things that you had done to me. Soon after our breakup, I met the love of my life and continued living as if I had never met you. But I had extreme anxiety every day and every night. I wrote about everything you did to me, but I couldn't face the depths or even talk about you in detail because I thought that it somehow was all in my head, just as you had said to me so many times. I got the disease multiple sclerosis and I'm convinced that all the terror you put me through plays some part in that. It took me 11 years to wake up from your gaslighting and realize that the problems in my PTSD was so much worse than I ever could imagine. I was no longer a person, only a facade of things you wanted me to be. I'm now in the middle of trauma therapy and everything you did to me is becoming clear. You used me in the worst of ways. 
It's only been a few months since I realized that you raped me, and memories of all the sexual violence are terrorizing me every day. You refused to use a condom, so I got pregnant and had an abortion against your will because I didn't have the heart to put an innocent baby in your evil arms. Because of you, I'm now living in a bubble. The sexual violence you put me through has impacted me so much that I haven't been able to have sex with my man for nine years. I can't work or do simple things like going to the dentist or the gynecologist because the lack of control gives me extreme anxiety. I'm sure that you think you won, if you ever think of me at all, which I doubt, but I'm stronger than you ever gave me credit for, and I will fight this through. The love for my man and his amazing daughter gives me strength every day, and podcasts like this helps me to breathe. I'm also in the process of writing a book. My survival is that my suffering has come to some sort of use. And if my story can help someone else to feel better or even leaving the narcissist, then I have one. Wow. I really, that's heartbreaking. Holy shit. I just really appreciate that person being so honest and candid. And I really hope they're doing well and moving past some of their trauma. Because it sounds like the person they're currently with is, like, really good for them. And I just would hate for them to not be able to live their best life with this person, you know? Mm -hmm. So a big thank you to the person that sent in uh, that letter. And let me just see here. We have one, two, three recordings left. And three letters. So let's do uh, one recording now. So let's do, I guess, uh, 307, the 2.1 megabyte one. Okay. One, two, three, go. I am an avid fan of Narcissist Apocalypse. I was raised in a narcissistic family. And this is a letter that I wrote um to one, uh, help me deal with the emotions that I have about my family. And also should I ever be contacted, I am no contact for over eight years now, but should I be contacted? Um, this is a letter that I wrote what I would write back. I know you don't send these type of letters. Um, and I probably wouldn't, but anyways, I keep it here because it makes me feel better. All right. Um, this is a letter to my malignant narcissistic sister and, uh, here goes. Do not contact me. Do not use third parties to contact me. Do not send emails to people pretending to be me. You left a digital footprint of your smear campaigns and forgery. I will have you charged with harassment. You will not abuse me by proxy. You get off on abusing people. You are terrified of people taking a look at your life and holding you responsible for the reprehensible things you do. The smears and false accusations. The systematic abuse you thrive on. You, like our mother and other high-conflict abusive people in this family system, have gotten away with it far too long. Instead of learning from the abuse you endured, you became the abuser. You will not spend the rest of your life trickling down the abuse to me as you do everyone who encounters you. If you attempt to do this, I will file an order of protection and your insidious abuse will be exposed. You fear exposure. It is why you adopted a self-righteous attitude you relied on since you were a child. You fear the white hot lights of exposure pointed in your direction and have perfected mining people's lives for details you could rewrite and smear them 
and divert the attention away from you. When you are smearing someone or acting self-righteously, it is a major red flag that you are terrified of someone finding out what you are doing or have done. It is your pattern. You are not my friend. You have never been my friend. This family is sick, twisted, abusive system. You have chosen to continue this abuse. You are an abuser, a bully, a high conflict individual that enjoys destruction. You will not bring that into my life. You are not entitled to my life so you can derive pleasure from throwing poison darts as our family has done for generations. That is sick. It is sociopathic. There's nothing family about our family. It is a system that supports the bully and abuses the empathic. Every minute of our family life was dedicated to extracting supply for the abuser. Christmas, birthdays, dinners, weddings, births, deaths. Everything was a platform to extract emotional supply to fill the bottomless void that is within you, that is within our mother and others. You feed off people's emotions. You need to humiliate, shame, hurt, downmanage, rewrite people's narratives, and control how other people view them every second of your life. In this family, children are used as pawns. You were used, and now you are doing the same. You try to dump your own toxic shame onto others. You constantly scan people for their weaknesses, what makes them human, and you weaponize it against them. You are inhumane in your treatment of people, bordering on evil. Do not contact me. Do not contact me by contacting people I know. Do not contact me at all. Any attempt to smear me in a fool's attempt to get me to respond will only result in dire consequences for you. You think you are clever when you use social media and obvious, clumsy, gaslighting tactics. You are not. It is abuse. Simple as that. And you left a trail of this type of abuse for years to many, many people. There are laws now that protect people from abusive people like you, like our mother. Do not contact me. You have been warned. Thank you very much. I feel much better now. That was amazing. That was a great letter. It was so eloquent. Yes, that's what I was about to say. It was just uh, very well written, very well spoken, very well said. Yeah, very empowered. Yeah. Very. So thank you to that person for sending in their letter. And you'll actually, they sent in two. So their second one will be our last one that we'll do. Nice. And next up, we have, uh, we'll do two written letters in a row here. Um, and so of those three that are left, the ones that are standalones, do you have one that you want to read of the three? Yeah, let you, me just take a look. You're up first. Okay. Dear, remember me? I have a voice. I don't need approval for the color of my hair or the clothes I wear or friends you met. I don't need to change my thinking about the mask you wore. Pretending to others that you cared, it's something you would make me forget. Remember your temper and parquet speech. I remember your swipes for doing well in school and for the aspiration I kept. Your discipline took root, moving your body and arms wildly in a barbarian manner with the belt and hammer. I remember it all. Your jealousy took flight, chasing your wife, dodging a lamppost or two. Your sudden burst struck her was no accident at all. Your surface touched with a flicker and flame, erasing freedoms and an embodying display. 
Your mission to China was in the palm of your hands. No need for exchanges from the train station to the next. Your facade was dust Skyping with a Twitter dialogue. Remember your words before any verbal grenades to, it, to empty my pockets with your furnishings and shame. I liked the the more sort of creative side of this one. Yeah, at first I thought it was just going to be a straight uh, letter and it had a rhythm and a flow yeah. to it that I wasn't expecting. And this is a theme kind of today with, with the letters, a lot about the mask. Yes, very so, much. So thank you to that person who wrote this letter and sent it in. So big thank you. Mm-hmm. And up next, I'm going to do a letter. All right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Dear you, you with the tall masculine presence who dominates any room you enter, you with the expert cooking skills, the in-depth knowledge on health, fitness, world news and politics, the broad capacity for understanding the way things work and figuring out how to fix them, you who's deeply rooted in the good manners and narrow set of moral standards you were raised with, you whose parents had split up when you were young and raised you in a dysfunctional household where affection never existed. You, who were bullied in school because you were overweight and have red hair, and who ended up being friends with the bad kids. You, who grew up in an extremely introverted, socially awkward, and more often than not misunderstood way. You, with the big paycheck that proves your dedication to succeed, even though you started with nothing. You, who would generously pick up the check at group dinners and show up to parties with designer shoes and the most expensive liquor. You, who now provides for everyone in your family, who bought houses and cars for your grandmother, your mom, and your dad separately, and who sends flowers to your grandmother for her birthday. You, who has so much potential. I see you. I acknowledge you. I fell in love with you. But you don't exist. At least not in my reality. To me, you are an arrogant man with a steady, upright stride who walks around as if he doesn't have a care in the world who holds his head high as if he's achieved great things, whose hands are relaxed as he's never done any harm, who's, who keeps a straight face that demands respect and whose voice never shakes. Your smile stops at the corners of your mouth and your eyes only ever light up when your ego is flattered. Your heart is cold and your soul is dark. You are the definition of a wolf in sheepskin attracting soft, innocent lambs who you hunt down so subtly that, looking from an outside in, it looks as though you've walked into your trap with eyes wide open. You are a predator, but not the kind that's after flesh and blood. You shatter souls. You play catch and release. Pull them apart slowly over time. You lure them away from everything that defines them so that when you hurt them, you're the only one they can turn to. And then you lick the wounds that you caused, mend the bones you've broken, just to make sure that they stay close enough so you can do it again. You do this because you know that you will never be equal to anyone unless the emptiness that you possess becomes them. You are a monster. You will never be whole, but I will because I am the one that got away. And in the end... That is what's going to kill you. It already is. You're dying of insecurities, self-pity, and fear every day. As for me, I have my life back, a life that I now value more than ever. So thank you. 
I look forward to thriving now that I'm done with you. Great letter. Yeah. Really fire. I tried to be as fiery as I could while reading it as I started to notice that. (laughs) Did you notice that? Yes, you were good. But this is a really fiery, powerful letter. And, you know, as again, just showing the, the covert aspects of what this person wanted everyone to see. Exactly. And, and what everyone who gets too close to them sees when they get behind the wizards. Um, what is that? Uh, the, like the Wizard of Oz. The, uh, like the behind the curtain. Behind the curtain. Yeah. Again, like a very like focused on like the mask, right? right? And like... But, what but, it looks like but, when but, it's... But great lines, you know, down here. Um, you play catch and release, pull them apart slowly over time. A yeah. very, it's a very visceral letter. Yes, like, and all the examples were, like, were very visual. Like, you could picture what this person was doing. Um, thank goodness I have all of these in my email because I'm not the most organized person in the world. So I'll start posting these when I get time on the website for people to read. All right. So we have the next, uh, the last written letter and you're up. Okay. And which one? Cause uh, I know that, you didn't want me to read one. Um, that would be one that's called, um, I will not be there. Okay. Hold on. Got it. Okay. Okay, so this is called I Will Not Be There, a letter to my narcissistic father in the off chance he decides to change. To dad, I can see it now, my mom and my sister smiling, happy that you finally changed. I can see all of you excited about the fake image of our family finally becoming real, all because you woke up one day and decided that after both your kids 100th depressive episode you want to change. I want you to know if you ever change that I will not be there. I will not wait 10 years to finally feel as if I can be myself around you. I cannot imagine my biggest bully being someone that can somehow transform. I will not jump into your arms happy that I finally got a loving father. I won't be for joy. I sit here anxious knowing that whether you change or don't, I still experienced who you are. I am still critical of myself because you ensured that I'd always have to hear how terrible I am. I have to spend a lifetime healing. If you decide to change, I want you to know that I am not the redemption arc you think I am. I will not absolve you. I hear your words over and over. The times you called me stupid, told me you hated me threatened to leave, told me over and over one of us must leave this house. I remember the times you yelled at me and treated me poorly for liking my mother more. I remember when you told my sister I was mentally ill and that's why I cut you off. I remember all the times you said I was wasting time in therapy. I spent so long being gaslit about who you were. I spent a lot of time telling people my story so I could feel like it was real enough. Just for the majority of the extended family not to believe me. I even gaslit myself. Was your treatment of me that bad? 
Do, don't others have it worse? Those words, they come from you. I keep thinking of the fake smiles in all our family portraits, the ones that hang in the walls all over the living room. What hurts as well as your treatment of me is the way you have painted this picture of lies. Will you regret asking me if I took my meds when we have an argument? Will you change enough to realize just how profoundly you've messed me up? I have an inkling that when you do decide, you completely absolve yourself and expect my forgiveness. You'd expect me to just come right back. It's almost like you'd be saying, hooray, congratulate me. I'm not going to torment you anymore. You have been a tyrant, a bully, a financial abuser, and prize-winning gaslighter. You have been confusing in your good deeds. It's made me feel like you could somehow be redeemed. How many times did my mother have to pray for you to change? Remember when you yelled at her saying, it's her fault that I stopped talking to you? Do you remember that, or is your memory selective as always? Will your sudden change even fix all the years you psychologically abused all of us? How you made it about when you, how you made it about you when my younger sister was hospitalized? How you refused to speak to her because she yelled at you? I remember. The idea of forgiving you is like a slap in the face to me and the child I was. I just keep thinking of the five-year-old girl I was who rejected you and all the verbal abuse you subjected me to. That little girl had the right idea. I figured out that I never needed a father. I won't force myself to settle. It isn't what I've been put on earth to do. You waited too long to change, and I will not wait for it. It will never be enough for me because of all the years you spent making me your emotional punching bag. I used to be willing for you to change. I desperately wanted you to. And now, even that isn't enough. If you decided to change, I will not be there. You will have to pick up everything and everyone you have left and make things right. I don't have high hopes, but hey, I guess technically anything's possible. I just won't be there waiting. Love someone who isn't your daughter anymore. That was really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. How do you feel after reading that? Well, it's kind of, you kind of feel a bit gutted because it's like the the resolve that that person has to cut that person out entirely. Like they just must be like so strong to be able to do that. I also feel like it would probably, it, it may be like a relief to them to just kind of be like no contact, like that's it. Um, so it did kind of feel really cathartic also. You know, reading this, you just say to yourself, or at least I say to myself, when someone's dealing with someone who's abused them their whole entire life, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you just don't want them to get fooled one more time. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if they've done so much work. Yes. And then to to get that chance only to have it happen again yeah. is just so, in a way, it's more hurtful. Yeah. Um, so I'm sending the person who wrote this a big hug. Hope you're doing well and thank you for sharing because uh, I know this letter is going to help a lot of people. So a big yes. thank you. And Absolutely. We have uh, one more audio and... Then we're going to close off the show. 
Yep. Ready? Yep. I have my second email that I wanted to read. Um, this one actually has a backstory real quick. This was sent, an email was sent to me by an ex friend of me um, who obviously was contacted by my mother, whom I am no contact with and have been no contact with for over eight years. Um, it was basically just a flying monkey. And I find it absolutely laughable considering that that friendship was um, uh, basically a repetition compulsion. She, I had the same sort of dynamic as with my mother. Um, I, I don't have enough adjectives to describe what a manipulating, conniving human being this was. Um, I was in the fog and I got rid of her after years, uh, probably kept her around longer than she needed to be. But anyways, this is the email that I wrote and I actually did send it to her. Um, I didn't feel in any danger, uh, sending this to her as I would, you know, family where not so much they would hurt me, but it's best to just not, what is the, what is the saying? Don't get in, Go, go, don't get in a, a, a fight with pigs because they enjoy it. Anyways, here it is, my email to my toxic frenemy that I cut out of my life years ago who basically uh, was my mom's little stooge. All righty. Frenemy, let me be clear so you understand. You have never been my friend. You were, from day one, a frenemy of the worst kind, and you know this. It is comical and pathetic that you have the audacity to write me. You contacting me is pure gossip disguised as concern. Every second you were in my life was filled with manipulation, sabotage, toxic gossip, and your pathetic habit of using people for your own selfish needs. My only fault is not cutting you out of my life sooner. You exhibited red flags from day one, and for this, I take responsibility, but it does not make me a doormat. In your mind, you think that if someone has not copped onto you, they deserved it. You have said so when I would confront you about the way that you treat people. You use toxic, pernicious gossip, and you rewrite history to control the narrative so you can control how people in your life are perceived, but I know the real you. I know all the games you play, the lies you tell, the sick way you manipulate people to get what you want. When people catch on to your games, you gossip a completely different story. You try to destroy their reputation with gossip lies and smears. You do all this for stuff, drugs, money, and other people's boyfriends and husbands. Triangulating with my abusive, manipulating mother only proves how low you will go. You contacting me under the guise of concern is laughable. It also, it is also continuing my mother's abuse by proxy. You know very well how that works, which makes this more pathetic. Do not contact me ever again. Do not contact my family to continue your bullshit. You are a phony, a con artist, and you may fool others, but you never fooled me. You played best friend with one face and systematically manipulated, sabotaged, and gossiped about me with the other every second of our friendship. You know this, and I know this. Fuck off. And there you have it, an actual email that I wrote to a friend of me who had the audacity to write me after, I don't know, five years. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Um, thanks for all the work that you do. And that's a great end to the show. Yes, it is. Very powerful. So this is it for us. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, feels kind of final, but... 
Hey, well, we'll figure something out, you and I. We'll be back yes. together in the saddle again. Absolutely. And I, I do really appreciate everyone sending sending in all these wonderful letters and having the opportunity to read them. Well, we'll figure out other types of episodes that we'll do together, just not these ones. We don't know what they're going to be yet. We've been trying to think of different ones for a while, but we just haven't gotten the the idea. That's the beauty of the show, though, right? I mean, things just kind of come about organically. Yeah, and we've been out of, uh, we have not been in the same town pretty much this whole, well, the whole time. Yeah. And now we will be. So we'll actually be seeing each other as much as I see people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that will be great, though. You know, well, I'll see you at Snakes and Lattes. <laughs> did we just do a local plug? Yes, we did. Oh, we did. Uh, it's everyone. It's a board game cafe. There are two of them, one on College Street, one on Bloor. I go there uh, pre-COVID all the time. Um, and maybe I'll see you there. You will definitely see me there and well, all the guests. Well, I'm excited that you were, you were back on the show. So people got to know you because it all started with you and it's important that you're always here or, or, or around at, least, at least, at least to me. Thanks. I appreciate that. Just because for everyone, like in reality, really, this all would never have happened in partly because of you in that day. So, yeah, I mean, our, you know, we were tight at that time and we were both just like, let's make this happen. So, yeah, so I'm really proud of that. So everyone, you know, give, if you, wherever you are, give uh, Melissa here virtual hugs and uh, we love you and we hope uh, to see you in person soon. And, you know, for everyone who's listening, do you have any last words for them? Last words. Wanna, do you have any, do, just, do you have any words that are not that final as I'm making it? <laughs> I just want to give everybody a hug back. So from myself and Melissa, we hope you have a good night. <laughs>